0: Hey this is Dirk from Uren, from Megadeth, and you're listening to GhostCopeMag.com.
1: Welcome back to the Ghost cult Magazine Podcast. I'm your host, OJ. In today's episode, we sit down with old school rock and roll singer-songwriter Adam Masterson, all about his new album, Time Bomb, which is out now. Ghost Hope
2: Magazine welcomes in singer-songwriter Adam Masterson. How are you doing today, Adam? I'm good, Keith. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. We are chatting on the eve of the release of your brand new album, Time Bomb. I have spent some time listening to the record. I'm super excited to chat with you about it. Just for our audience that may not be familiar with you, can you give us the you know, one-minute origin story of Adam and how, how you got here? You've had quite a career already.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I'm excited to put this record out. It started uh, start recording it in London. I was over there, over from New York, back in my hometown. Went to watch a show at the Lexington. A band called the International Swingers were playing. And friends of mine, and James Stevenson and Glenn Matlock and Clem Burke on drums. And I was just at the bar, and I met this guy who said he had a studio not far from where I grew up, and I knew it, I knew the area well and uh, he said he was doing some shows and I thought we might have, a, a, you know, some mutual interests in common. And uh, sure enough, I went down there, maybe we were thinking of writing some songs and um, it turned out he listened to some of my my stuff and thought we should record it. So the initial session started there. Um, and then uh, that record was, I was hoping to put the 12 tracks we did, out as an album but one thing or another that didn't happen and it just became an ep that was put out right at the time of the pandemic uh, march 2020 and uh i at that time i just met another friend craig dryer in brooklyn and i thought we'd need more tracks for the record with the ep coming out so i recorded with craig and we got some great players on that session too so now I had stuff going on in London and in New York, and the sessions were sounding really strong. Um, and I cut four or five more tracks, but two of them are on the record: "Wild Wolves" and "Bring Back the Freaks." And then, during the pandemic and after the pandemic, I needed a title for the for, the, for all these songs and the album. The title came into my head: "Time Bomb." And then I wrote the song and did that remotely with various players and arrangers. And uh, I'm excited to finally get the work out tomorrow
2: nice work i was gonna say the album is wonderfully cohesive and does not sound at all like it was you know recorded you know in pieces or you know in parts or compartmentalized uh you know certainly to say the quality of the writing and the performers are obviously there but the album sound is very tight and and you wouldn't if i didn't know that fact about the album i wouldn't have guessed it Yeah,
0: thank you well i i, don't, I think my voice pulls it together and that's the main focal part of it and then just the mood songs the way I write it it seems to sort of uh, comes from a certain place inside of me you know I mean chronologically the world's having its effect on me but it's um I don't know it's quite mood orientated emotional music I guess that's at the core of where I'm coming from so I'm able to sort of direct that and put that into different sessions, you know, and it's, it's going to have uh, the same sort of themes, um, you know, and, uh, I, I was lucky with the people that I got to, to, uh, work with on this for sure. Um, they were very, very, you know, tele telepathic in getting into what I was about and, uh, and reading into what I was looking for, you know,
2: of course, I think it's really interesting. Most artists, you know, who've had a bit of a career already, you know, it's hard for them to allow other people to come in and muck with the process and co-write, truly co-write a song and collaborate. I think I find it, I look around and I, I listen to a lot, quite a lot of records. And I i don't, I don't see that often the, the willingness to let other people come in and take your babies or create something with you. So obviously one, it's good to have some f- some friends come in and you know some some very well known friends come in and help but also to come in and share your process i find that super fascinating
0: yeah well um we d- i did some some of the songs that co-writes take a little love with james stevenson chains was one i did with an f- old friend of mine john tiggsticker was actually playing in the nick and the bad seeds now on guitar and then lose against the sky was like a jam that started with james when we first met and we we didn't know what we were sort of uh what we were going to do, but we thought we'd write together, and we just we just jammed like this two chord piece of music, very simple. And it, I then wrote this poem back in New York, and I had these words. And what with it being a poem, is it's sometimes trying to find the meter of the words to fit with the music. A two chord sort of trancey piece of music, you know, it's like a boat lulling from side to side. Seemed to work with this these just this poem I had so. I thought maybe that could run, you know, because usually when we write a song, there's there's a verse and a chorus and there'll be some kind of contrast the way they fit together or some magical way of fitting that round. But usually there's there's a, a bit of a journey in the song where you just got two chords rolling, it allows words to sort of just sort of... Um, come out and have, have their own power and their own they can take the lead if you will so I wondered if that would work I come back to the studio I said "Yeah, try this I got these words we just immediately started putting that together so that that's how that one worked um co-writing I mean songs just seem to come for me out it's not something I really seek out um really it's just with friends who I hang out with and and, and uh, you know George and James uh, James Stevenson and James Halliwell were people I knew quite well uh, at that stage. And um, I always like to do it and then the songs just come come out when I'm on my own. Um, so it's it's a similar process in a sense. You come up with a melody and then you've got to work on usually I work on the words and you know that's that can, that's something I might work on in my own time, you know, but, um, uh, you know, s- s- setting words to music, it's a bit of an ancient art form, you know, uh, human beings have always been, been trying to meld those two things together, you know? So uh, it's always been something that's just fascinated me, you know?
2: Indeed. And I'm so glad that's where we landed on because I do love your storytelling. There's a lot of great, stories within these songs uh really colorful and illustrative you don't have to have a video i do i do love the the video for uh take a little love but i, I you don't even need it like it's just like you are i was i was just fine playing back the record and imagining the stories and maybe it's your voice and and surely it's the words but yeah fantastic storytelling here
0: thank you keith yeah i mean it's always something i felt too Um, I tend to do videos just because it's it's a good to maybe, as a promotional tool, a good way to sort of have the the music with some sort of visual, although I kind of agree, videos can, I always find it challenging because I've written the story already and it's it's a bit like reading a good book and then you're kind of let down by the movie because a novel or a book, it can kind of hypnotise you into that place and you really are there and you're allowed to feel that place for yourself you're allowed to be in that place uh and it's very mental emotional it's very mood driven whereas a visual is it can be you know great cinema great 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 directors from hitchcock and all the rest of it they 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 know the art form of how they can put you there too but a song, songs to me are so huge sometimes they're bigger than movies and they can be over in two and a half minutes and that was what was fascinated me before i started writing songs when i was even a little kid i was a bit taken aback how a song could sort of take over my whole consciousness in a way um they do have that power so um, yeah i i i uh, the more i do videos the more i like to just keep them as simple as possible because if, if you're not careful they can take over the thing um also when people ask you to explain how you wrote a song. It's it's you know my 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 perception of how I wrote the song is only one person's perception. Obviously I wrote the thing, so it's I'm an important figure in the whole drama, but I could say something and it could completely change what the listener or the receiver is feeling. I wouldn't want to do that too much because if you're doing it right, you'd be creating a a story and a and pictures and moods and feelings for the listener to really step into and feel their own experience of life and let something out of themselves, maybe you touch upon something and allow something to breathe within them that they hadn't even given the time to. Um, and music's a great way to sort of, you know, take us out of the stresses of life and let sides of ourselves, like I say, breathe that we haven't been paying much attention to. So um, I always think that the song gets completed, By the listener, you know, I always think it's kind of a magical thing. The first time I play a song to someone, whoever that person might be, it's almost like it's born at that moment. It's been living in in me solely for, for all this time. And I've redrafted the lyrics and I've tried this and I've tried that. And I know when the song's written, that's a pretty powerful moment. But when you perform it for the first time to someone and see someone react to it, then it's born it's got it's own life it's got it's own wings you know
1: are you a fan of all things horror do you love getting goosebumps and feeling the hairs on the back of your neck stand up then you won't want to miss Michaela superstar of the blunt letters new podcast bleed with me join Michaela and her guests as she takes you on a journey through the darkest corners of the human psyche exploring the twisted and terrifying world of horror from supernatural creatures to serial killers Bleed With Me will leave you on the edge of your seat and begging for more. So turn off the lights, grab your headphones, and join Michaela Superstar of the Blunt Letters for Bleed With Me. Listen now on your favorite podcast app.
2: And, and of course, uh, a video is always a good marketing tool. People do like, they watch a lot of videos. They like the video also. So not to take anything away from videos. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I do think the song is the thing. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned working with a lot of your friends on recording and performing. But I also wanted to talk about the production. I did mention the cohesive sound, but also you work with some really high profile producers who are known for humongous things. Are these all connections and friends of yours? How did you yeah. you know, rope, rope in some of this talent on the production and engineering side?
0: Well, um, for example, the first session with James, I didn't know Jeremy or Paul Stacey. I think James had worked with Jeremy in a band, previously, I think it was a War Boys, maybe many, maybe 15 years before they hadn't seen each other. He called him up and we were gonna work with this guitarist called Brinsley Swartz that James was making a record with. Um, but he was he was going to go on tour with Graham Parker in, in America. So we left with that guitar player and we had like you know the sessions like the next day or the day after. And I knew that Jeremy had a brother called Paul that was a very good guitar player and mixing engineer so then paul came along and um and paul paul sort of um he he was a great uh mixing engineer so i thought about maybe using him down the line uh for mixing which i did and that worked well and then i i did the session with craig who i met up with at a gig and he had charlie drayton on the drums um and uh we'd we'd known each other socially but we'd not worked together before um, and when I got to England, and I was working on the new track, uh, "Time Bomb," Charlie said, "If you're near, if you're in the West Country or Wales, you know Chad Blake's someone that's around that part of the world." And when I was mixing with Paul on "Bring Back the Freaks" and "Wild Wolves, he he'd said he'd he spoke of Chad Blake in the, in a very high regard. So I reached out to Chad. We had met at a music festival um, in England. Before, but you know we hadn't made any music together, so I just reached out on recommendations and um was was very lucky to pull in all these these people. They certainly added a real quality to it that's what definitely
2: nice, probably something uh lending itself to being a little bit of a vagabond artist where you travel here and there. I'm sure it was hard during the the worst of the worst times a couple of years ago if you were stationed in one place and like you said you dropped an ep right when everything went to hell which is a shame but i'm glad that this i'm glad that these songs are going to get heard and this album is out i have some personal favorites on the album uh including bring back the freaks and the kiss and wild wolves and cry with no tears but do you have a personal favorite out of this whole collection of songs is it hard for you to pick a favorite
0: oh there's some cool ones they're cool they're cool ones to pick up on i mean um Kiss, was it's funny you just mentioned, Cry with No Tears. I think that was a special, special song. I mean, I, I lost my father and that was a, a song I wrote in the bereavement of of, of uh, my father passing. He actually, he actually um, was meant to pass away like 15 months before he did. He just kept going. And in that time, uh, my wife fell pregnant. We had our first child, so he got to meet um, my son. Um, and, and then eight days after, my son was born, he passed away. So it was in the month of May and I, it, it, the son was born the 2nd of May and dad passed around the 11th of May. And by about the 30th of May, I had this lyric of this song called Crying No Tears. It was just taken from things that were said, you know, like um, I said to my mum, how are you doing a week after that I of what Adam, I'm crying no tears. And I thought, oh, that would be, that could, I could use that in a song. And, that It just came together when we recorded it a little while later. I saw it as sort of a ballad or something like that. But when the musicians got hold of it, they turned it into this real triumph, triumphant song, which had a real power to, it. obviously I didn't tell them what the song was about. I remember Glenn Matlock played bass. He was sort of like, this sounds like Phil Spector or Ronette, or, or, you know, Ronette's thing. And he was wanting to give it that sort of feel. And Jeremy was, saying so it sounds like the trumpet and the heartbreakers thing and the next thing they're banging away on it paul Stacey got on a 12 string and they're turning it into this anthemesque sort of thing that i hadn't bargained on bargained on it becoming um after the musicians left i put some backing vocals on it and uh it was just me and james and i sort of did layered some vocals some high voices full set of voices and he just seemed to mix the backing vocals pretty much in front of me like they are on a record. And it really took no effort. And once the voice, my voice backing vocals were on it, it really took this sort of uh, sort of gospel-y sort of feel to it. At the end, I don't know how you describe it, but um, it just seemed to record itself and it turned into something, like I say, quite triumphant. Cause although it was, it's sad, it's nothing sadder than losing a, you, someone you love or a parent or a dad but the fact that he got to hang on um meet meet my son even only for a short time some sort of the spirit and the, the triumph of that got imbued into the recording which was which sort of struck a nerve for me so that is that's something that I I I feel quite closely and then songs like the kiss was uh it's great to have that out there and that had some, that had some beautiful playing. Paul Stacey on the guitar was great. Actually, that was something that we, we didn't, we did, we recorded it in a very almost a cappella with me singing with just James on a Hammond organ, me on guitar. So it had some timing issues. So Jeremy didn't play on that. And actually, I took it over to America and Had Omar Hakim. I went to his place in New Jersey, at his house. He kindly put some drums down on it once. I'd tempo mapped it a little more and obviously he's a one of the most fabulous drummers in the world, you know, so to have Omar on, it was a real special, special thing. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they're, they're two songs that it was, they were, I really enjoyed the recording process in for sure. Favorites of mine too.
2: Nice. As we wind this down, I want to give you back your day, but I always like to end these interviews with a wild card question for me. And for me, what I wanted to ask you is you've been in the business a long time, making music for many years. If you could give advice to someone starting out who wants to be an artist, what advice, what's the one
0: crucial piece of advice you could give them? Um, Maybe trust your gut. It, It won't lie to you. I mean, if you're beginning, you've got a lot to learn and you got to measure your, your expectations against that, you, you might be, you know, really fabulously talented and be a complete protege and uh, have a precocious talent. But nevertheless, you know, uh, there'll be choices to be made and there'll be people that will want to help you and with the, have the best intentions in the world, lots of enthusiasm, and will want to guide your career. And sometimes you might get lucky and meet absolutely Absolutely, the right person right at the beginning sometimes it might not fall that way but that's no that's no um sort of indication of your talent you know it, it, it you might have a, a never root round you might be you might have huge talent and it's for some reason it, the moments aren't just availing themselves for you but i'd say i'd go back to what i just said at the beginning in those moments you know you can trust your gut and uh it's something i've learned along the way and when it comes to making decisions you might have some difficult decisions to make like everyone does in their lives and if you if your gut tells you you know you have a hunch you'll always learn later on down the line why why you felt that way even if it doesn't kind of reveal itself at first it will do down the line and if you look back you were always kind of on the money when you you trusted your your gut and your deepest instinct on things Um, So that would would be my advice, you know
2: Awesome Adam Asterson. thank you so much for hanging out with Ghost Cult today Best of luck on your new album, Time Bomb I'm super excited for people to hear it as well And I hope to see you out
0: there on the road, my friend Thank you, Keith I really appreciate it You take care Thank you
1: This has been another episode of the Ghost Cult Magazine Podcast Check us out at GhostCultMag.com And follow our socials at GhostCultMag Until the next time Peace